Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. When the Pharisees, with some scribes who had come from Jerusalem, gathered around Jesus, they observed that some of his disciples ate their meals with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. For the Pharisees, and in fact all Jews, do not eat without carefully washing their hands, keeping the tradition of the elders. And on coming from the marketplace, they do not eat without purifying themselves. And there are many other things that they have traditionally observed, uh, the purification of cups and jugs and kettles and beds. So the Pharisees and the scribes questioned Jesus, Why do your disciples not follow the tradition of the elders, but instead eat a meal with unclean hands? He responded, Well did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines human precepts. You disregard God's commandment, but cling to human tradition. Jesus summoned the crowd again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand, nothing that enters one from outside can defile that person. But the things that come out from within are what defile. From within people, from their hearts, come evil thoughts, unchastity, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, licentiousness, envy, blasphemy, arrogance, folly. All these evils come from within, and they defile. The Gospel of the Lord. A little unusual, I need, need notes tonight, so I'm going to stay right here. So folly... Folly is the last thing on Jesus' long list of bad stuff that comes out of people's hearts. Folly has potent company in this list. Among them, murder, malice, and of course, licentiousness, and many others. At first glance, folly seems a bit out of place in such a list, for we don't often think of folly as being such a terrible sin. Folly, foolishness, silliness, stupidity, cause for concern, surely, but not really among the big hitters on the list of really bad stuff that comes out of people's hearts. Now, folly in its biblical sense may be a vice that's far darker than we now give it credit for. Biblical folly might be defined as making decisions based on bad bad foundations that then have catastrophic consequences. 
Jesus gives us a perfect example of biblical folly when he tells the story of a man who builds his mansion on sand. The storms come, the sand washes away, the mansion is destroyed, probably with him and his family still cowering within. We can imagine wiser folks urging him not to build on sand, but he loves the view. So on sand he builds and says, nobody can tell me what to do. He ignores the advice of the local experts. He makes a really bad decision, and he ends up catastrophically paying for it with his mansion destroyed, his life and that of his family destroyed. Well, that's folly in the biblical sense. Bad information, bad decision, really bad consequences. So what we're really talking about here is morality, making free choices for good or for ill. The mansion man made a morally bad decision because the consequence was his altogether preventable death and that of his family. He did so willfully, irresponsibly, and indeed selfishly. How could he have made a morally good decision? Well, obviously, he should have listened to his knowledgeable neighbors. Perhaps he should have checked the foundations himself if he didn't really trust those neighbors. And he should have pondered the possibility of a hellacious storm one day lashing and beating at his mansion's foundations. If he had done any of that, he would certainly have changed his mind and built his mansion on rock and saved the lives of everybody. The story would have had a happy ending. The mansion man in Jesus' story did a really terrible job at exercising his God-given free will. What he was doing was a really poor job of what we now call forming conscience. A conscience is that innate capacity within us as free human beings to choose the good from the bad. And though conscience be innate, it also has to be nurtured. It has to be trained. It always has to be fitted with, with facts and truth and insight, wisdom, love. As they used to say about computers, garbage in, garbage out. Good in, good out. The mansion guy did not form his conscience well because he did not trust the wisdom of those who know more than he did. Nor did he exercise foresight in seeing a great storm coming his way. And he let his prideful lust for that glorious mansion and its glory's view override good judgment. Because his conscience was willfully underdeveloped, unformed, and uninformed, it did not prevent him from proudly choosing the way that led to catastrophe. This was folly, pure and simple. And so we see that indeed folly, in the moral and the biblical sense, can be a much darker vice than we usually now give credit for. So this conscience thing is a really big deal. It's a big deal in our lives precisely because we're making moral decisions all day long, every day of our lives. Most of them are small, but occasionally a big one shows up on the scene of our lives. 
And hopefully, our practice and exercise of conscience and good judgment and wisdom and love and all those small little decisions helps us manage the big ones. Well, one of those big, tough, and very difficult conscience moments is now right in front of us, or even more appropriately, around us. Two years ago, who would have guessed that a viral pandemic would not just upset our lives, but challenge us morally and force us to make life or death decisions over and over and over again, every day, small things, big things. The magnitude of the moral challenge is captured in a single number. This virus has already killed almost 700,000 of our fellow Americans alone. That is, the entire population of the city of Spokane wiped out, not once, not twice, but three times over. Not one of those deaths was anything but horrific. COVID-19 is not a gentle killer. Ask any ICU nurse. It is also an arbitrary killer. Should this virus find its way into our nasal pharynx, none of us knows if it will lead to little more than a cough or put us in a coffin. It has a Russian roulette quality about it, making it all the more fearsome. And so we must morally exercise our free will in choosing how best to avoid the terrible risks this pandemic poses. In doing so, the last thing any of us wants to do is bet our future on foundations made of sand. Accessing a well-formed conscience in making our pandemic decisions is now critical to our lives, the lives of others, and even really society itself. In statements released this past week, Bishop Daly wrote about the inviolability of the human conscience. That is the important moral principle that a person must follow their conscience and others cannot force us to act against our conscience. Bishop Daly also rightly pointed out that we have the responsibility to help one another form our consciences well so that the best decisions are made by all of us for the good of all of us reminded us, pastors in particular, that we have a special responsibility in this regard precisely because we are pastors and conscience formation is a really big deal, especially now. So here is my own humble attempt to do what the bishop asked us to do and offer, for what it's worth, guidance in forming our consciences in a way that avoids catastrophic folly in this dangerous time of pandemic. So if the mansion man, in choosing to build his mansion on sand, were instead me, deciding to receive or not receive a COVID-19 vaccination, in three steps, this is how I might best avoid folly and instead promote the moral, the good, and indeed the holy, because the good is of God and that makes it holy. My first step in forming my conscience well is a simple one. I have to open my eyes to the reality before me. In this case, I must acknowledge that the COVID-19 pandemic 
is a storm already at my doors with its lashing winds and driving rain. It poses a tremendous threat to me, to my neighbors, my family, and certainly even to the very foundations of our society. With a death toll already of 4.5 million souls around the world, many more millions sickened and hospitalized, not to mention the enormous strain placed on our medical and our social systems, and with the potential for further dangerous mutations of the virus, how can I not be horrified at the vast swath of destruction this pandemic has caused already with more yet to come? With my eyes thus opened, I now know that I have a moral responsibility as a human being to care about this destruction and the danger it poses to me and to all. The reality of its horror places a moral obligation on me to do whatever I am able to protect myself, to protect others, to protect even society itself. And so now, step two of my process of conscience formation. I must ask myself, so what am I to do? I don't want to build my house on sand while this raging storm is coming my way. That would be folly. Unlike the man in Jesus' parable, I must humbly listen to those who know how to build my house on a solid foundation. In the case of the pandemic, we have a multitude of doctors, scientists, and viral researchers, people like Pat Garvin's son, Michael, who teach us what that solid foundation is. Their urgent advice to us since the beginning has been simple. Wear masks, maintain social distance, and since January, get vaccinated. Vaccination against COVID-19, they tell us, is now the best way all of us can build our house on rock and stave off the worst this storm has to offer and eventually calm the storm itself. So the best minds working on this at first look tell us vaccination is the morally essential and urgent thing to do. So far, so good. But alas, I hear objections to vaccination from others. Some of those objections I know are not serious, but others seem to make some sense to me. They trouble my conscience and make me waver in my decision. I hear people say that the vaccines are too new. We don't know all the possible risks yet, and therefore we should avoid them until we know. I hear others say that the vaccines don't really work. There are so many cases of breakthrough infections still, and even vaccinated people can spread the virus we now know. And still others tell me the vaccines used fetal cells originally gathered from an abortion in their creation or testing, and we shouldn't approve of abortion by taking advantage of these morally contaminated vaccines. So the qualms of conscience these objections cause me mean that I have to do some further learning. After attending to the best and most reliable sources in the fields of medical and viral research and even moral theology, I learned the following. I learned that 
over 5 billion doses of this, these new vaccines have been given out around the world already. There have been a few reports of side effects that are dangerous, but they have been exceedingly rare considering the number of people already vaccinated. There is, I learned, very little risk of serious side effects. And like every medicine we take, even aspirin, those risks are balanced against the benefit of saving lives and slowing down the pandemic. I also learned that there are breakthrough infections, yes, but even with that, the vaccines do work extremely well at keeping vaccinated people out of hospitals and out of morgues, as evidenced by the fact that across the United States today, more than 90% of all hospitalized COVID-19 patients are the unvaccinated. And finally, I learned that yes, there was some use of cell lines originally obtained from an abortion used in making the Johnson & Johnson vaccine and in testing the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. But they are no longer used in the production or testing of these vaccines. Indeed, our best moral theologians, our bishops, and even Pope Francis have made it clear that the connection to that abortion is now so distant that it is not a significant moral obstacle to receiving the vaccines. So now for step three. With all that information in hand to make my best moral decision, I have one more summary review to make. Then I can make a decision that would be a wise one, a loving one, and not an exercise in moral folly. I imagine a great scale capable of holding in its balanced pans all the goods and bads in this decision I must make. In one, I place the risk to life and society posed by the pandemic unabated by vaccines. In the other, I place the risks of the pandemic increasingly abated by the vaccines, as well as any risks from those vaccines themselves. I observe that the side of the scale without the vaccine drops like a rock. The risk is so heavy. The side with the vaccine rises since the risk here is nowhere equal to or worse than that of the unvaccinated side. And there is all kinds of good that is gained. And so now with confidence I choose the pan with the vaccine since it accomplishes the most good with the least bad. It is obvious, it is wise, it is the good and godly thing to do for me, my neighbors, and my society. I am building my house on rock. No folly here. So examining my conscience in this way, forming my conscience in this way, has helped me care for myself, my family, and my society, showing me yet again that forming and using well my conscience is a very big thing, especially now. And one final thought. The opposite of biblical folly is not just wisdom, though it is. The opposite of biblical folly is also love. When I choose morally, I am loving myself and others well. It is for this that Pope Francis said just a few days ago. Thanks to God's grace and to the work of many, 
We now have vaccines to protect us from COVID-19. Getting the vaccines is an act of love. Getting vaccinated is a simple yet profound way to care for one another.